0: Welcome to the Filene Fill-In. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. The Filene Fill-In is the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. Today's show is a live episode from Filene's annual State of the Credit Union address, where we showcase elements of our body of work, what's new at Filene, and what we see emerging in the marketplace. So this year we've named our event Speaking of Change in honor of our namesake Ed Filene. This was the name of his book of speeches and articles. We feel that Ed was visionary because in a time when credit unions were just emerging in this country, he recognized it was important to quote, "...discuss the events of the day and attitudes of the day, not in terms of any hypothetical existing situation, but with a profound conviction that nothing is situated, and that all things therefore must be judged not according to any absolute formulas, but in their relation to the ever-changing times." We at Filene also recognize that to this day, we must discuss things of the now not only as they are, but as they will become in these ever changing times. So, now, speaking of change. Good
1: morning. My name is uh, Mark Meyer. I have the privilege of working with some really uh, smart, cool cats at Filene Research Institute, and just wanted to welcome you to Speaking of Change here at the Credit Union Campus. We do this annually uh, to kind of showcase elements of our body of work, what's new at Filene, what we see emerging, uh, to share with many of you who helped uh, found our organization nearly 30 years ago. As you know, our organization has evolved. It started with this uh, incredible concept of being a think take looking at research and evolved into uh, introducing some of the competency of innovation to credit unions and working with with credit union executives on that concept of playful experimentation and do. And more recently, post the Great Recession, which is nearly 10 years ago that that started, you can imagine that, the the, uh, concept of change. You know, research and innovation are terrific, but if it's not creating meaningful meaningful impact and change, What's worth? And so uh, we hope kind of our intention is a few things. Our, our mission has never changed. We've never drifted from that notion of seeking truth through uh, careful uh, research, playful experimentation, and, and bringing that to you. Uh, and really want you to come play with us today in our sandbox in my work. As we examine that, you're going to have this opportunity to see how all of this crates together. And my colleague Tansley in just a moment will kind of walk you through that. But I have sort of three things for you to think about as you're kind of listening and examining what's happening. The first is this, that notion of think. As you are listening and hearing and examining to some of the research that we do, I'm inviting you to think what if. Think what if. What if by 2030, 40% of cars are autonomous, that are in a shareable economy, no longer economy. Second, I want you, as you you kind of examine and play with various aspects of this work, to really do something amazing with it. Be committed to do something amazing when you get back into the things you're doing, whether it's a mutual group, whether it's a CUNA, whether it's a local credit union, whether it's the foundation. Do something amazing. And the final ask I have for you, as you kind of wander through this conversation, is remember this, change starts here. Tansley, you want to come get us started and walk us through and give us that Scooby-Doo itch? Give her a bomb a diggity applause. This is my colleague Tansley saying.
2: Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. We are so honored to be here with you today, and I am thrilled to be able to introduce some of our very talented colleagues. I've had the opportunity to commit my life to this credit union industry, and the gift of my time at Feline has been the human beings that you're gonna hear from today. They are not only brilliant, but they are a lot of fun. So they are gonna walk you through this body of work, And it starts with think, as Mark said, that very rigorous research that is grounded in the needs, not only of credit unions, but human beings. And then moving that research into action, how do we test ideas and make those ideas a reality, ultimately to manifest change in Main Street Americans' lives? You know, this vision of credit unions is extraordinarily powerful. If you think about the difference that it makes, you know, sometimes people ask me about my job. And they'll say, why in the world would you want to work for the credit industry? That seems kind of boring. Financial services is sort of a snooze fest, isn't it? But when you think about that power, you think about a person who doesn't just get a car loan, but now can take their kids to and from school every day doesn't just get a mortgage, but has a home to raise their family. And if you think about the power of credit unions to do that in a more meaningful way than other financial services firms, that's the real power that we have together. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our chief knowledge officer. There's probably nobody smarter, and he's going to kick us off here. George. George.
3: Well, there's no pressure in that, so uh, try and sound smart. Um, as the slide uh, shows, I was supposed to hear, be here with one of my colleagues, Erin Coleman, who's uh, one of our impact directors, which means that she's on airplanes a lot. And one of the uh, um, one of the outcomes of being on airplanes a lot is that sometimes airplanes don't go where they're supposed to go. So I think right now she's in the air, uh, but probably won't land in time. So I'm going to try and take this topic um, by myself. And what I'm going to try and do is uh, is walk you through. Um, the the journey from research all the way to innovation and all the way to impact so that we can kind of understand how we understand how change happens. Sorry, hold on. Hey, Adam. um,
4: Hey, hey George, are you in a meeting right
3: now? uh, I am, actually, Adam. What's on your mind, buddy?
4: I just want to tell you about this cool credit email I just dropped. It was awesome.
3: Okay, um, what should I do about it? Well, oh, just go and join. So, is there like an app where I can do that, or do I need to like get in the car and go to the branch, or what? What's what's going on?
4: Apps online, in person.
3: I got some forms in my pocket. Oh, like it's a so paper easy. form?
4: It's so easy. to do a paper form. And okay. It it.
3: Hey, listen, buddy. Um, I've got to go, but we'll talk about this later, okay? okay. Hope I didn't interrupt.
4: Okay. Bye.
3: <laughs> All right. So that uh, that uh, brilliant piece of acting. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, was is, is a problem statement that really does occur uh, within the credit union system. And uh, a lot of research that we've done over the years illustrates that credit unions have lots of built-in advantages. Um, some of those built-in advantages um, have been defined by uh, our friends at CUNA that um, uh, talk about the pricing advantage that we have. Right? Um, we've done some research. Others in this room have done research that look at how satisfied are credit union members versus customers of commercially owned banks. And what we find is that there's a very, very large gap. So you kind of factor in these two items. You say, more satisfied customers, better pricing. We should be killing it on market share, shouldn't we? This is the audience participation part? Yeah. OK, cool. Um, So what I would like to do is just kind of uh, enter in uh, exhibit A from actually my colleague over here, Mike Schenk, who publishes this thing called the credit union monthly uh, estimates, and uh, share with you some data that uh, Tells a little bit of a different story. So uh, consumer loan market share in 1989, credit unions had 11.2% of the market. Okay. What do you think it was in October of 2017? If it was 11.2% in 1989, what do you think it was in October of 2017? 11.3. 11.3? Who said that? That's really close. It was 11.1. So, for the uh, non-math majors in the the, uh, audience, that actually went down a little bit. Now, let's look at non-revolving consumer loans. 14.5% in 1989. Today, what do you think it is? 14.5 versus what do you think it is today? Okay, you guys don't want to participate. So, uh, 13.4%. So, we've actually gone down a considerable amount. Now, the, the the news on the saving side of things is is a little bit more positive. We went from 4.3% in 1989 to today around 9.9%. And actually, if you look at other loan categories, uh, credit unions have done a pretty good job, especially in the auto loan uh, category, and especially in the mortgage category. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're still small niche players. So what is it that is? not enabling credit unions to gain more members. Yes, we've had a lot of membership growth. Um, and all of this research kind of led one of our I3 groups, which is a group of credit union executives uh, from across the US and Canada, to kind of figure out, how can we change this? And the, the solution that they came up with was an idea that was um, unfortunately called CU Toot. Um, <laughs> which uh, captures people's attention, and it was, meant to, it was meant to portray this notion of, can you, instead of tweet at someone, uh, instead of can you like someone, can you toot someone, to encourage them to join the credit union Uh, of their choice. So what it was, uh, was uh, an attempt at uh, credit unions from Alabama, New Mexico, Texas, and Washington State to build a really dirty prototype of this idea called See You Toot. And it was really meant to uh, enable people to share the story that Adam had for me. Hey, I've had this great experience at the credit union. I've saved thousands of dollars on my mortgage, hundreds of dollars on my car loan. I get great service here's a really simple way to join the credit union that is not generated through paper and pencil. And that was one of the other things that they found in their research was that many of these referral programs that credit unions have, although well-meaning, they haven't been contemporized in today's society. So if you're uh, 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 someone that participates in Uber or Lyft, it's really simple to share um, that that type of uh, app with with other people. So in this prototype, what we found out was um, Uh, Number one, uh, consumers are really interested in it. So we built the prototype, showed it to people, and they said, we really like this. This looks good. Um, We were curious to see if there was a path to sustainability. So if you build something, is it actually going to enable the credit union to make money? And what they found in the course of their their research was that the average cost to acquire uh, a credit union member back in 2014 was around $400. And through their business modeling, they were able to illustrate that you could actually bring that cost of acquisition down to about $40. So the only question that was left was, you know, is this a viable thing? Can we actually do it? Um, and in around 2015-2016, my colleague uh, Marnie Gerhardt, right here, uh, led a pilot program of around six credit unions, and we actually built something shared it with these credit unions who then shared it with their, with their, with their members uh, to see if it actually uh, caused an uptick. And what we found was pretty astounding stuff. Um, so we tried to answer that question Is hey, is this sustainable? And I just want to share some, some really interesting results because um, it is pretty astounding when we built this really kind of light prototype of an idea and shared it with actual consumers. So um, year-over-year growth members uh, growth in new members for people that had member megaphone was 28% versus uh, industry-wide average of around 2%. So you're talking about a 14 times increase in, in new members. Um, the amount of people that actually participated in this pilot that referred new members was over 50%. So the participation rate was, was quite high. Um, I could share some more numbers, but then there was one story that was really particularly interesting of a credit union in Southern California, uh, that really broke down uh, the, number of the, the, the type of people that participated in this program. And there was one individual at this credit union in Southern California that was individually responsible for referring 22 new members to the credit union. And it didn't just stop there because then those 22 members referred even more members. And by the end of our pilot period, which was only about six months, we had about 161 members that was directly attributable, attributable to that one member. So within this pilot, we we found out a lot of things. We found out sustainability, we found out viability, and most interestingly, we found out desirability from the consumer side. But unfortunately, it was just kind of this working prototype that we were able to share. It kind of worked. It wasn't integrated into the core processing systems of credit unions. So right now, what we're doing is, number one, we've changed the name of the concept. (laughs) It's no longer known as CU Toot, but now it's called Member Megaphone. And right now, we're in the process uh, with Marnie and with my colleague Ryan, who you're going to meet a little bit later, and my colleague Aaron, who is supposed to be here. Um, we're actually turning this into not just a working prototype but an actual product that credit unions can test and integrate into their core processing systems which then enables credit unions to have a very modern and contemporary system for member referrals that will hopefully increase the usage of credit unions across the United States uh, and Canada. So that's the story that I wanted to tell you, and hopefully quite clear, you can kind of see how it ran from the research side of things. And then we didn't just stop at the research, but we took the research, put it into practice, built something, got feedback, built something else, got more feedback, and now we're actually turning it into a commercial product. So, for the credit unions that are in the room, if you're interested in testing this idea, we need we need help because in order for us to launch something that is um, um, a, a good product, we need feedback. Um, so I don't have a lot of time, and uh, I've got to run right now, but. What I want to do is uh, introduce my colleagues uh, Elrie and uh, Ryan, who are some exceptional runners, and they're going to tell you a little bit about their passion as it relates to running and some other parts of our body of work. So let's put our hands together for Elrie. and
2: Ryan. <laughs>
5: George, that was great. Um, My name is Ryan Foss. I'm the managing director of innovation at Feline Research Institute. And with me is Elri. Is that good enough, Elri?
6: Yes, that that, that is great. Uh, I am Elri Hermosa. I am the impact director and analyst at the Institute. uh, And I get to play with numbers uh, in a regular basis.
5: Excellent. So Elri and I are both passionate long-distance runners, and we're going to spend the next few minutes talking with you around some of the lessons that we've learned in our own passions around running, and then not only how that transcends our personal life with our professional life, but also connects our innovation competency with our impact competency. So. Um, I've been running since college, and um, that I graduated in 97, so that's a really long time, um, a really long time. And so over the course of the years, I've run dozens of marathons. I've run numbers of 50Ks, 50 milers, um, and more. Um, I love running. Um, it's a great way for me to relieve stress, um, to put my mind away from work, um, to hang out with friends. Um, and this is actually me um, running a 250K in the Amazon um, in Brazil um, that I did with friends. Um, and it was a blast, but a lot of lessons learned.
6: Wow. <laughs> I'm more on, on the human side of running. Um, <laughs> I've been running only since 2010, and yes, I run five marathons, but they are a slow marathons. I, I like to take my time looking at what's going on. On that picture that is Madison Marathon two years ago, I am actually playing Pokemon Go as I, as I run. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you can incubate some eggs, and why would you waste 26.2 miles worth of eggs <laughs> while you're doing it? Um, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Any runners in the house? Okay. We have a few. Uh, Let me rephrase that question uh, because for a couple of years I didn't call myself a runner. Um, So I want to make sure we we reframe it a little. Do you specifically schedule some time aside every week, at least two times a week, uh, dedicated to put one one, one foot in front of the other uh, for a period of time? Yes, okay. Do we have any runners in the house? Yeah, okay. You see, we have a bunch of runners. We have a couple of lessons that, that we wanted to share with you. Sir Ryan, why don't you tell us the top five things we have learned?
5: Excellent. So we, we came up with five lessons that we've learned from running that actually work in our professional lives, too. So the first one is you don't have to do it alone. Um, we both detest running by ourselves. Some people like it. It's a great way to blow off steam and to get away from people. Um, but I run much better with people. I perform better. I run faster. And I just like hanging I'm a people person. I like hanging out with people. Um, The second one is, no matter what you're training for, you need a plan. People don't just up and decide to run a 50-miler, right? They need some sort of plan to tell them how far they should run on Tuesday, how long they should run on Thursday, how fast should they run on Wednesday, should they take a break and do nothing on Saturday. Um, They need a plan to help them get through um, the marathon or whatever it is you want to run. The third one is, Build endurance and fight the urge to quit. I can't tell you how many times I've slept in on Saturday because I don't want to run. Alry, can, can you?
6: Pretty did, much every run. Every
5: uh, run, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but fighting the urge to quit. And you know what? When you talk about work, it's the same thing. Sometimes it's really it's, it's all about endurance and fighting the urge to quit. Being open to experiment. Runners um, try different shoes. Um, We try different foods. Sometimes Mexican food isn't the best thing to eat um, before a long run. Um, Change your sleeping patterns. Um, There's lots of experimentation that happens. And finally, um, once you're done, you kind of assess, you review everything that you did, and you start it all over again, right?
6: Absolutely. So we've been talking about running for the last three minutes. What does that have to do with innovation and uh, impact? There are many things that you can learn from our journeys uh, that can be applied to what we do day to day with credit unions. Uh, if you go back to those five, and we'll actually have an opportunity to review them again, um, this time from that angle of what is happening with innovation, what is happening uh, when we interact with credit unions uh, and, and people in our industry on a daily basis. So let's review that same list one more time.
5: All right, so the first one is you don't have to do it alone. And we have a great program. George alluded to it, right? This is where Mega Member Megaphone, or CU2, started. And it's called I3. And it's where we get our friends and colleagues in the credit union space from across the United States and Canada to actually volunteer two years of their time to do innovation together in teams, to start tackling some challenges and problems that they're seeing in their credit unions and that their members are facing.
6: 2017 was a really exciting year for us uh, as we expanded some of the things that uh, happened in I3, and we bring them to the rest of credit unions. One of those exciting things in the state uh, is that we launched for the first time uh, the Wisconsin Innovation Group. So uh, the door is open for credit unions across the state to join. come and innovate with us. And we have a group of 16 people that will be presenting uh, at this year's uh, convention in front of everyone. Uh, Brand new ideas. They're developing these from the ground up. Uh, We have been doing this in Iowa now for our sixth year. uh, And we welcome 100 innovators uh, in the state of Iowa going through this program, coming up with uh, new concepts that are being uh, tested.
5: No matter what you're training for, you need a plan right and not only do we have a plan for i3 we do what's called our innovation um curriculum right the feline methodology and what this is is it's a it's a training plan for our innovators to actually innovate on teams right it takes it, it walks them through taking insights from our research insights from their credit unions creating problem statements ideating on solutions and ultimately scaling a product in our industry So we've been actually working a training plan with teams for the past year, but not only have we been doing that, we've been doing our own training plan as well, because this curriculum is based on over a decade of experience, and we're creating our own new methodology, too. in In the future, next year, you're gonna see new methodologies. You're gonna see us partnering in new, different ways. You're gonna see us innovating for possible futures, not just next year, but for five, six, seven years from now. And so we spent a lot of time this past year looking at our training plan in a different way.
6: Yeah. In 2018, uh, we'll also engage with credit unions in a couple of different modules. One of the things that we have heard uh, is that credit unions, yes, uh, they get excited about ideating about problems that consumers have today, uh, but we'll be introducing two new concepts. One to think about problems that members will have in the future, uh, talk about Mark and, and this concept of uh, now we have autonomous cars, um, and the other one is about execution. One thing is to have a great idea, another thing is to go and implement it. So. More to come. Stay tuned. Uh, coming to a credit union near you in 2018.
5: Building the endurance and the, and the urge not to quit, right? Um, so innovation is really hard. Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither are these new products, right? The journey is hard. It's fraught with failure. Um, our I3 teams fail every day. But that's why we have the curriculum or the training plan on the other side, right? There are lots of U-turns. There are lots of pivots. You create stupid names like Toot. Um But there's, that's not a reason to fail, because you have to go through the process and the journey um, to get through this gobbledygook up here from idea to an actual scalable concept.
6: Just like in running, there are many points uh, during your journey that you will feel like you want to quit. Um, One of those moments, and what you have on your screen is this idea of a member journey mapping, that you're talking about how is the member feeling uh, during that that interaction with the credit union. And many times, the maps look like this. Uh, One smiley face, one frustrated, and a number of meh. Um, What do we do as credit unions to build our journey to make it uh, not only frictionless, but also something that people get excited about? Um, certainly, many opportunities to, 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 to fight this urge of quitting.
5: Be open to experiment. Our i3 teams experiment all the time. We call it wash, rinsing, and repeating. Um, I like to say we have our i3 teams prototype, and I have them hit their prototypes with an ugly stick, right? Um, when When you come up with a new idea, I want you to create the lowest res possible prototype as possible, because all you're testing for is the desirability of that prototype and the functionality. You don't want any clap you know um, fun marketing stuff around it. You want low res prototypes, and our i3 teams do this multiple times to get to a prototype that they actually feel can move to the next level.
6: Yeah. Experimenting is, is, is such an important um key of of this innovation journey. Uh, One of the things that uh, we enjoy doing with with Lauren, we had an opportunity to visit uh, Visa's innovation lab. uh, And and we took 75 uh, people from the credit union industry to join us for one day of innovation. It it was a fantastic opportunity. uh, And we actually copied uh, or took a picture of of, of one of these uh, rules that they have uh, around Let's build something, uh, not be concentrated on only on the analysis, uh, let the ideas flow, uh, and have faith in the process. It's, uh, it's an interesting process to go from uh, getting the stock uh, on, the, on the previous point to making that a reality.
5: And then you start over and you try to do it better. right? Over the last year, we've had um, 14 new um, concepts or products or services that our I3 teams have created. Um, some of them, they get recycled and they go to a new I3 team to try it for them to try to make it better. Um, others go into an innovation library for credit unions to take them and try to make them better. And some of them then we bring in-house so that they can become the next member megaphone. And this year we had three. We had Debt Dragon, um, which is a student loan debt tool. We had Bank on Family, which is a family and friends peer-to-peer program, peer-to-peer lending program. And we have Will Be Done, which is a will creation tool for credit unions to loo- use with their members who um, need help with the will. Right. Um, so we're always trying to do things better, not only with the products and services, but with the curriculum as well.
6: Yeah. So you interact with credit unions, and you guys are interested in coming to play with others. This is a great opportunity to start a pilot, participate in it. You get to hear from what's going on not only in your credit union and your members, but from people across the country, different credit unions, different assets. Um, You can really understand how one of these concepts is being applied uh, and applying their learning lessons uh, from not only your credit union, but but from others. It's it's a great process if you're interested in giving it a try. Um, As we wrap up. I have one more question for, for all of you. Um, do we have any innovators in the house? Do we have any experimenters in the house? All right. Not enough hands, just like the first time we the running.
5: Three, I counted so, three. So
6: let's rephrase the question one more time, and let's put it this way. Do you dedicate time every week to think about the future and how things will evolve? How can you do, or how do you, can you solve your members' problems in a different way uh, every week? Okay, a little, a little more, great. Well, thank you guys. Next up, we have Lauren Culp and Andrew Downing, who will not be running, I guess.
7: Ryan, Elrey, thank you so much. Well, um, uh, they talked about their passion for impact and innovation and running. I will freely admit my passion isn't running as much as it is running toward (laughs) good food. Uh, But um, one thing that my colleague on stage, Lauren, and I do share is a passion for credit unions and the research and truth that gets us to where we are today and uh, the bright future that um, our movement has moving forward with um, young adults. My name is Andrew Downen. I'm the Managing Director of Research here at Filene Research Institute. And I'm joined by my esteemed colleague like Lauren Cole.
8: Thank you, Andrew. Well, I manage the Cooperative Trust, which is one of our impact programs. We'll talk a little bit about it. But it's so cool because Andrew and I never get to stand on a stage together. We never sit in meetings together. In fact, I like pass by his office and I'm like, oh, you were at work today. Great. I didn't ever see you. We were in different, different sides of the office. But that's really what we're here to talk about today is some of these really cool connection points between the research and then what you can actually do with it to put it into action. So we're going to talk a lot about it, and specifically as it relates to the cooperative trust, how that research ties in to some of those young adult programs that we have.
7: All right, Lauren, thank you. And we thought, what better way to look back at the research from 2017, look ahead to all the great things that Lauren and her colleagues have for the new year, than uh, with a good old-fashioned New Year's Eve ball drop. So we're going to look at the uh, the ball as it begins to drop and count down the top five research concepts from 2017. Uh, my goodness. And then uh, uh, those are some old ones there. Uh, and then what's moving ahead. And number five is our research on generational money chatter. So if you were with us last year, you may remember that we took a specific focus on millennials, and how how they talk about finance online. And if you remember, the millennials, they are a cranky bunch. So they are. Any millennials in the room? All right, we got a few. So we said, well, we know the millennials are important, but there're a number of other generations out there. So we did the same netnography method where we went out online, looked at over 10,000 tweets, online posts about consumers of a number of generations about how they relate to money. So we looked at baby boomers, and probably not surprisingly, baby boomers are happy. They're close to retirement. They're, they look at lending and loans as ways to finance dreams, completely the opposite of millennials. And then we looked at that that group that people forget about, Gen X, and they're just completely disconnected from emotion. As you can see, <laughs> most of their posts were quite, quite neut- neutral. Gen Xers, by and large, see financial products as a tool to accomplish some specific goal and why is this important because as credit union executives as those who help credit unions market products and services it's important for us to understand how the generations see the products that we offer and how we can best speak to their needs.
8: Well, great. So as this ties into the Cooperative Trust, it's been so cool to see it evolve. We had the chance to sit down with one of the Filene Fellows, Dr. Se Kubermis, who is the fellow at the Warford Talent Center, so it really delves into a lot of the research on young adults. And anybody in here heard of Carpool Karaoke? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. so we started Credit Union Carpool. Very similar, but I did not sing, and you are all welcome. <laughs> so you can head over to our YouTube channel for The Cooperative Trust, and really we're talking a lot about how credit unions can attract and retain young adults, but we're also doing it in this way that is very interesting, especially to young adults. So a lot of cool stuff over there, the second episode of our credit union carpool. So gonna turn it back over to you, Andrew. All
7: right, thank you. So number four on the research list is a topic that uh, very few credit unions love to talk about but it's quite important, and that's regulation, and specifically reg tech. Reg tech, the opportunity for salvation for credit unions to optimize and automate their ability to do BSA scans, to do SAR reporting, but in our research, We not only found that regulation has an inordinate amount of cost for smaller credit unions, thanks to some research that CUNA provided, but that in talking with eight to 10 credit unions, we found that, believe it or not, the core of an effective reg tech policy lies in the hands of humans. And doesn't that make sense? Because a computer, an algorithm, is only as good as the decisions and assumptions that the human programs into it. And at the end of the day, while a computer may help a credit union do and meet their regulatory responsibilities, it's up to that credit union compliance officer at the end of the day to make sure that everything's compliant. And what a great opportunity for credit unions to open their thinking in an innovative way to how can regulation help us serve our members better. And that was probably the most compelling uh, insight out of this research, that credit unions that have an open mind, that look at regulation as an opportunity rather than a hindrance, have a greater sense of being able to serve their members. So that's research number four.
8: Awesome. Well, speaking of technology, uh, so the Cooperative Trust is this community that we have of young professionals in credit unions. And a big part of it is the online piece, where people from across the country can talk to one another, collaborate, and do what they do best in credit unions, right, work together. So we have a new website coming up, which is very exciting for us. We're taking our own medicine. We analyzed the user experience and said, you know, it might be time to update this website. I think it was built in 2010, possibly. So we have a new website coming up. You can stay tuned for that. It is in beta testing. And so we are really excited to be moving into the next phase. So any cooperative trust members in the room? Couple? Hi. Couple? I saw Maria in the back. Um, yes. So. Look, look for it on the horizon at trust.coop.
7: All right, Lauren, thank you. Number three on the research countdown, the anxieties approaching, right, is a concept that we've talked about it often, uh, and it's related to change. Organizational ambidexterity, that any organization, including credit unions, need to be impeccably excellent at executing on what they do well today. We call it exploiting. It's not a negative term, but it's really maximizing our abilities to fund loans, to make deposits, to process payments. But at the same time, credit unions need need to be able to look around that corner to explore what's in the future. And our research found two different structures. Structural, which is basically departments that are focused on innovation. We know we've got that here uh, from those who are at CUNA Mutual Group now uh, and others. But what we found in our research is that most credit unions go down the contextual path, uh, because that's uh, where the most uh, resources can be uh, optimized. So individual branches, individual departments are responsible for not only exploiting what they do well today, but exploring what can be done better in tomorrow.
8: So that's a mouthful, could you say it 10 times fast?
7: Organizational ambidexterity.
8: (laughs) Perfect, that was actually pretty good. So as we're thinking about those structures that we have to have in place, with a cooperative trust, one of the big things that we've been thinking about and hearing from our members is that we really need some sort of help with mentorship. Anybody in here have a mentor? Okay. Anybody in here is a mentor, like you you mentor someone? So how many of you that didn't put your hands up wish that you had a mentor, wish that it was a little bit easier? We have quite a few people who come to us and say that. And some of them look like this, like, oh, no, a mentor. It's like an arranged marriage. How do I get to know this person? And so with this pilot program that we're rolling out this month, it's very exciting. We are going to kind of do a little bit of that match, almost almost like online dating, right? We'll, we'll match you with someone who we think you might work well with, and then we can kind of guide you along the process so that it's a lot more pain-free, frictionless, and there's An exit ramp if you need it at the end, or you can keep going and going with your mentor. So, super cool mentor program that we are rolling out.
7: All right, Lauren, thank you. So, number two on the research countdown, it's actually a sneak preview of some research that we'll be publishing in the next month. And it's on the topic of asset growth. Credit unions realize and know that they need to grow larger to to capitalize on economies of scale. So, we looked at 35 years of credit union data, boil it down to the three most likely triggers for impacting credit union asset growth. And we found deposit rates. Credit unions that offer deposit rates 1% higher than compa- bank, bank competitors in their area, saw 1.12% as, as, asset growth. Expanded core products, 1.04%. <laughs> Increase in asset growth. And for all the marketers in the room you'll like seeing this, a just a simple one tenth of one percent increase in marketing expense as a percent of assets led to almost an eightfold increase in ath- asset growth mm-hmm. growth. So keep that in mind when the research wow. comes out.
8: Well speaking of growth, we know that it is important that as an industry we are growing or continuing to do that. We anybody in here heard of crashes? Yes, quite a few, quite a few hands go off. Well, as we're thinking about the future of the cooperative trust, we're always considering how we can evolve it to create more impact, right? How do we make sure that we are not only providing impact to the people that we're working with, but also providing even more opportunity for young professionals in the credit union industry? So we have more and more crashes every year. This year, we're gonna do between 10 and 12, so that's like almost one a month depending on a couple. So 10 to 12, and we are also making them bigger and more accessible to a lot of people. So for example, Crash the GAC, our hallmark crash, normally 52 crashers, and this year, which this is my first time leading Crash the GAC, I don't know what I signed up for, but 78 crashers.
0: What? I know, right?
8: That's super exciting. Oh yeah, you can clap. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? what is really amazing is that there are 78 young professionals. Actually, there were 170 who applied and said that they wanted to join. So always thinking about how we can continue to create more impact for those folks.
7: I I feel for you, 78 crashers, but that's exciting to see that growth. And finally, our number one research insight from 2017, Lauren alluded to it. This concept of the laws of attraction. All right, so the, the slides are, they're taking their time for the big reveal here, but the laws of attraction. So we all know this, credit unions need to fight for the top talent in their market area. Credit unions do a great job at finding those who have the best expertise in whatever their function is. But one thing that our research identified is that credit unions, not only can find those who are good with the head, but also have some sense of the heart, right? And that's what um, organizational social performance, corporate social performance is all about. And what a great opportunity for credit unions to market their role in the, the community and advertise the ability for their new hires to be a part of that impact on the community.
8: Well, we've heard a lot about credit unions having problems or having maybe the, we'll turn it the other way, having the opportunity to improve upon the way that they're attracting and retaining talent, especially as it relates to the next generation. So, one of the things that we've been busy, busy, busy working on at Filene is this concept of a young adult advisory program. So for those credit unions who say they need help attracting and retaining the next generation, we can help. So one of the basically the way that we've built the program is there are these three key areas that we've identified that there's opportunity to change change. change the way that credit unions approach young adults. The first one, not surprisingly, is the membership area, so attracting young adult members. The second area is with talent and employees specifically. So how are we making sure that our employees are representing the, the millennial demographic, the Gen Z demographic right behind them? and really building a strategy around that. And then the third area, less talked about, but no less important, is the young adult board member piece. And we know the average board member age, any (laughs) of, (laughs) anybody? Yep. We'll go with that. So as we're thinking about these three key areas, we've really developed this program so that credit unions can pick and choose which pieces they want to work on the most or, or go with all three of them. And so we're helping to take this research, put it into action to make sure that credit unions stay sustainable for many, many years to come. And that is the top five research and the top five cooperative trust things of 2017 and things to look for in 2018. And without further ado, I'm going to turn it over.
7: All right. Well, Happy New Year to everybody. A uh, round of applause, if you would, for my colleague, Lauren. Yeah, and we we'll welcome up to the stage.
8: Courtney Angeli and Adam Lee. Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh. whoa. Get up here. Courtney. I think we have somewhere we need to be. I'm trying get this thing started. <clears throat> well, we're here. Come on. You turned off lights. Well, we're
4: definitely
8: going
9: to get it lit up, that's for sure. Get, getting lit up?
4: California. I don't know what you do on the weekend, but I think we're here to shed some light on the credit union industry. Absolutely, Adam. That's exactly what we're here to do today, and we only have nine and a half minutes, so we need to get
9: started. Adam, why don't you kick it off and tell us what's hot in your world right
4: now? Well, I'll tell you what's not hot. So, over the winter break, my furnace went out on New Year's Day. That happened to anyone over the holiday break and pumping out with the cold weather? Yeah, crazy, right? So, I have two young kids at home, and I was freaking out. I mean, what was I supposed to do? Now, fortunately, my fi- family had the financial means to be able to make that repair the day after. We got ourselves up and running. But what's got me hot and really mad is that the majority of Americans may not have that opportunity. Even people here in our own city of Madison may not have the financial means to make that repair when they need it. Did you know a Federal Reserve study said that 47% of Americans, almost half the population, can not come up with 400 bucks? And I can tell you an emergency furnace repair costs a lot more than 400 bucks right so what do people do may have to go to a payday lender maybe some other place to get that money that they need in an emergency expense and did you also know that in the state of Wisconsin there's no statutory limit on how high an interest rate can be in the state of Wisconsin the average is about 400% APR equivalent now would you take out a 400% APR equivalent loan if your kids were freezing I know I would So credit unions, and I'm really proud of the opportunity and the work that Filene is doing in our financial empowerment incubator to help credit unions test two different payday alternatives to help meet people's needs in circumstances like this. But what we're finding in our testing, what's really interesting is that even when credit unions offer this program, many people are too ashamed to even ask their credit unions for help. which I
9: catch this every time. <laughs> so Adam, I'm really glad you mentioned that challenge. And in Impact, we have the opportunity to work with credit unions across North America and Canada to bring them this idea of the innovation immersion. And Elry and Ron, uh, Ryan touched on this briefly. And the idea is that we're teaching credit union individuals how to ideate, gather insights, prototype, test, report, and implement these ideas that really can help keep the lights on at the credit union. And in one of these innovation immersions, One credit union shared a really chilling piece of information. Are you ready for this, Adam? I'm ready. All right, well they let us know that there are times where credit union employees don't even feel comfortable that their credit union can help them in the event of a financial hardship. Can you imagine not going to your credit union in a time where you would need help, especially if the furnace went out? So this credit union decided to take action, and they worked with a third-party vendor and created a payday alternative, so that way their team members can actually have access to emergency funds if they needed it and this did a couple things for this credit union first it allowed the team members to become more deeply engaged with this credit union but the second thing that it did is it really helped these team members live the life that they work hard for so the hope is is that these team members and members can actually go to their credit union in a time of need
4: because when you said an employee program it sparked my memory so in our financial empowerment incubator, we tested this really cool program called the Employer Sponsored Small Dollar Loan, or ESSDL. And it takes that concept of offering a small dollar loan in the workplace, but instead of offering it internally within the credit union, credit unions work with employers in the community. Maybe it's a manufacturing plan, a food processor, whatever it may be, to offer a small dollar loan. And the way that they make it work, because we know that people are beyond just their own credit score. You can't define people on it. So if people have maybe poor or bad credit history, they base something that we all in the industry in the credit union movement should be familiar with. Relationships, right? If you're a tenure with this company, if you've been with the company for long enough and you're in good standing, it almost guarantees you the opportunity to get that small dollar loan. And then you can pay it back through payroll deductions, it's super easy, and actually put more in after that loan is paid off to build financial resiliency through a small savings account. Now Filene partnered with the FINRA Education Foundation. We have free materials that are on our website right now Any of you can talk to the credit union clients that you work with, that they can implement this program today. And it's just a really good reminder that while all of us have a laser focus on helping the members that we have a mission to serve, our fellow employees, the people maybe in this room, might be financially struggling as well. And we're all in this together.
9: Wow. What a bright idea. And I can't wait to see how many credit unions take on this ESSDL program. So what do you think?
4: It is getting a little bit brighter. Yeah, it's this electric conversation that we're having here. <laughs> it's was something, something's going on here. It's kind of getting a little hot. And speaking of getting hot, what is hot in your world right now besides us totally dropping some awesome knowledge box. <laughs>
9: well, in IMPACT, we're working really hard to help credit unions grow their revenue. And one way we're doing this is through helping them grow their loan portfolios. Because we know that credit unions that have a strong loan portfolio, that's really the light that sparks the credit union engine and allows members to save and live their dreams. So that's really what's hot for us right now. But we discovered in our confidence and borrowing survey that only 50% of Americans are going to take out a loan if only absolutely necessary. And one major reason for this is that they don't think they're going to get approved for the loan. Right. And this is a big darn deal, and not in the excited Mark Meyer kind of way. (laughs) In fact, 11% of these credit union members say that this fear of rejection stops them from even asking their credit union for help. And we know that there's still a need that must be met, and these members are going somewhere. And Adam, you told us earlier, they're going somewhere, and it's not good. And in true Filene fashion, everything is grounded in research. The research tells us that these members are going to payday lenders pawn shops, and sometimes they're even delaying paying their bills just so that way they can have a small cushion to get them through these tough times.
4: Wow. Fantastic. And speaking, this is really kind of freaking out. Because I mean, we work in different parts of ByLean, but everything we're doing is pretty similar. This is weird. Huh. Speaking of getting people or people getting into really bad loans, one of the programs that we're testing right now in our financial empowerment incubator is a data-mined auto loan program. And basically, it takes this concept of enabling credit unions to refinance auto loans for their members. But what we're finding is that people are coming in with with auto loans that are so bad, even the most savvy credit unions are having a hard time refinancing. And I think it's just a good reminder for us that credit unions have the opportunity to be extremely proactive and maybe not help people get out of a bad loan, but get them in the right loan in the first place. And we tested a program in our prior incubator called the non-prime auto loan. A basic concept of just working with people, offering a fair rate, on the loan, working with them to enable them to make payments and following up on a regular basis. This program was so successful, 10 credit unions that test with, with, with us for about a year and a half had issued over $101 million in loans. Can you imagine that? Some of these credit unions that have never done subprime modeling lending before were able to take this great concept as a great revenue generator. It's a fantastic program that we're really excited about to see where it goes. So, yeah. It's just a fantastic program that when credit unions are unable to be successful to help their members, great things can happen.
9: This this conversation just has me so charged with excitement. And now more than ever, credit unions can really take charge and create products and services that really speak the truth of what members and team members deserve. And in this ever-changing world where we're competing with Amazon and Domino's Pizza Trackers, You know, we don't have to be passive bystanders in this lending space. Credit unions can be an active part of that. And that's why we partner with innovative companies like Larky. For instance, they can send geotagged offers to your members that are car shopping. So that way, your credit union can stay top of mind when they're shopping for a car. That way, they don't get into a bad loan. Or Qcash. If your member needs a small dollar loan, they can get instant liquidity in six seconds or six clicks. Those are two super innovative ways that you can help your member save money and live the life that they work hard for. So Adam, it looks like the lights came on.
4: The lights finally came on. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome thing.
9: And it's really great to see how interconnected all of our work is, even though, kind of like Lauren mentioned, I might go all day and never see you in the office.
4: Right. I mean, all these conversations that we had today really got me thinking that CUNA Mutual Group and CUNA and Volco and Eileen and all these system partners that we have in credit unions are working together keep the lights on in credit
9: unions. It's truly a fantastic thing when we can work together.
4: Absolutely. So I have a really cool idea, because I think when we work together, it really sparks this idea of like a beacon, right? Ooh. Being able to help credit union members guide the way and give them a path if they're struggling. <gasps> I think we can launch a new program Ooh. called Credit Union Beacon.
9: Adam, what is Credit Union Beacon?
4: Eating Beacon offers a filing membership.
9: Oh, what else?
4: Oh, come on. Maybe we can offer a free flashlight to go along with this. <laughs> and with that, we can wrap things up and we'll turn it back to Tansley Stern.
2: Let's give this team another round of applause. They are rock stars. I'm going to invite my colleagues to join me back on the stage. I know we've just got a few minutes, but I would love to hear the questions that are top of mind for this audience. And we are going to practice throwing, too. So, who's got a question? Yes, please. Are any credit unions actively marketing themselves as the original crowdsourcers? Hmm, that's such a good question. I've not seen that, but my talented colleagues, has anybody on the stage seen that?
3: I have not seen it, but uh, it's really interesting to hear all of these fintech venture capital funded organizations talk about this radical concept of a group of people have money over here, and then there's another group of people over here that need money. And that we've created this amazing organization that connects these two people. And it's like, wait a minute. That sounds like a credit union. So I, I, think, I think from a marketing and communications perspective, there's a real opportunity to, to make that connection. Yeah, like a, uh, this is a wonderful life uh, type of moment. Yeah. Awesome. Great. What else? Yes, please. From Phylleen's perspective,
2: what do you see as the key issue
0: facing credit unions in 2018?
2: Really good. I'm going to throw it to Andrew to answer that question.
7: All right. So we, we kind of touched on this uh, in, the, in the rake tech topic. Uh, I, I'll still catch it. Why not? No? Uh, OK, here we go. I didn't think I'd actually catch it. All right. So, I mean, we touched on it in the, in the rake tech conversation, but the, the increasing costs uh, to not only uh, deal with regulation, but just you know, the, the cost of uh, efficiency and uh, being able to bring out every last dollar of efficiency possible, yet still balancing that need for efficiency with serving members exceptionally well credit unions have uh, you know, for decades differentiated themselves in, in being uh, pro member member service so it's important for credit unions to keep that front of mind even as we look to, to optimize the expense side the income statement
2: the only other thing that i would add that i do think is a direct tie is this notion of ease of use you know unfortunately we are no longer being compared to the credit union down the street or the bank down the street but to you know, Google and to the Stitch Fixes of the world. And we have to make it easier to do business with us, which ties directly to efficiencies as well. (laughs) Awesome. Other questions? Well, as we wrap up, I'm curious, how many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? How many of you? A few of you. Good. So, I'm going to invite you as you walk to your next meeting to make another one or to make your first one. I hope that you heard at least one new idea, a spark of research that you can apply to make 2018 even better for your organization and for consumers. And I invite you to put that into action. I want to thank all of you so much for your time today. We couldn't do the good work that we do without your commitment and your engagement. We're really honored by that. Wishing all of you a great 2018, and we look forward to creating impact with all of you. Thank you so much.
0: All right, that's it for the fill-in, folks. Thanks again for listening, and thank you to all who were able to join us live earlier this month. If you like this episode, go out and rate us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-In Podcast to keep up with what's going on at Filene. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch about today's show, email me at filene.org or find us on Twitter at, at Filene Research. Until next time. Thanks, everyone.